Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Curtain, go. Podcast, go. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast produced by the Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska. I'm Jamie Ulmer, Managing Artistic Director here at the theater. Uh, actually, and we wanna, Jamie, what, what? you're not the Managing Artistic what? Director anymore, and this isn't your podcast anymore. What, what are you ta- uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome to the Glamorous CP Podcast Studios, uh, Tyler Rinney, the most frequent uh, Places, Please podcast guest. Uh, what, what are you talking about, Tyler? Well, that much is still true, Jamie. Uh, but, uh, frankly, you don't work here anymore. I d- uh, oh, that would be why I didn't get paid. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is, this is kind of a, wait, a, but why didn't I get paid? Oh, well, I got your paycheck too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so this is a kind of a bonus farewell episode of places please um as uh, the day that this podcast will be released which will be february 28th um is the last day that i am an employee of community players uh and so this is kind of a, a little uh, look back and don't let the door hit you uh, on the way out uh edition of the podcast <laughs> so if you're looking for information about our show um skip this episode <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't care about jamie really skip this episode. exactly exactly <laughs> if you have better things to do on the treadmill skip this episode <laughs> but yeah so um uh yeah tyler is here to kind of turn the tables uh as it were on me and uh uh, interview me a little bit uh, about my 25 plus years here at Community Players and uh, kind of what uh, the future has in store for me. Yeah, um, so welcome as uh, your first uh, time in the guest chair, first and last, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Should should we switch places? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get up. That'll that's good radio. Yeah, yeah, sh- yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you'll get to sit in a nice, comfy chair, and I'll sit on the edge of the guest chair in the office. Perfect. <laughs> See how you like it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's talk uh, about your time here, Jamie. You're uh, 25 plus years as the not always the managing artistic director at Community Players, uh, but as your time employed here at the theater. Right. Right. Yeah. It, a little a little technicality there. Um, I've always been the the chief executive of the organization, but uh, for several years early on, I was simply the artistic director. Um, and I don't know when it was that we just one day just changed the title. <laughs> <laughs> once once you actually felt you were managing things. Yeah, yeah. Once I realized um, that the job title no longer uh, industry wise described what it was the position does. Um, it was about the time that I was like, oh, I'm just going to change it. Um, and I didn't ask anyone per- for permission to do that either. It was just when we uh, negotiated a new contract, I just uh, changed the name of the position. <laughs> and beveled a new uh, word onto your name tag. That's right. That's right. I By hand, I chipped it on there. <laughs> yeah, because when you did start, uh, there were no power, power tools yet. It was mostly just caveman uh, style uh, stone carvings. Yeah, we, all, we had just, a guy named Grog had just <laughs> invented the wheel. And... Uh, Everyone was talking about this wheel thing. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't know if it would get rolling. But, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but how have things changed over those 25 years, Jamie? Uh, not just your title. Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the things is, um, yeah, as we're sitting here in what uh, is will soon be my former office, um, uh, is the technology. Uh, when I started here, there was no computer in the theater office. 
Um, if I ever needed a computer, I had to go home and <laughs> use my personal computer um, uh, to type up anything, you know, like a and print it off, you know. Um, there was a typewriter in the office, um, but it wasn't even an electric typewriter. It was a manual typewriter um, that sat, uh, this desk is a very old desk, um, and it has a little typewriter spot, actually. Um, that's what this, if you could see it. Uh, maybe in the podcast notes, I'll post a picture. I don't know if we can post pictures in our podcast notes. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, uh, of this little this little L thing that shoots off the desk, that, that was where the typewriter sat. Um, and uh, I can still remember manually typing up, like, licensing requests and things like that, and filling out and putting a form into the typewriter and typing it into it now you know it's a pdf and everything so that's the one of the biggest changes um is just the the office technology um and the production technology as well um you know we've got, we're going into the second generation of of lighting computers uh here hopefully in a few months uh once that uh, purchase uh, happens and uh, when i started here the light board was a manual light board and uh, there were only 12 dimmers. So it was just flashlights. It was flashlights. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, there were only 12 dimmers on the on the board. And one of them was uh, one of them didn't work. Um, and another was either on or off. It didn't dim. <laughs> and every night before the show, you had to turn on the dimming system. And there were these two by rubbing sticks together. Yeah. There were these two huge packs. And uh, I, I had to fly a kite um, <laughs> and with a key on the yeah, end yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and hope that it was a stormy night um, <laughs> to get power to those dimmer packs. But I always I joked. I felt like I was powering up like a nuclear submarine or something because there were these huge switches that I had to throw every night to turn on the lighting system. Uh, and they took up like all this space yeah. uh, in the hallway here in the green room. And uh, yeah, now it's a it's a tiny little rack that's mounted to the side of the wall that's going to get even smaller when we upgrade to new dimmers uh, or when community players upgrades <laughs> to uh, new dimmers uh, in the next six months or so or so. So, you know, the, that stuff uh, are the obvious things um, that have changed over the years, um, but also the amount of programming that we do, um, the uh, expansion of the staff uh, is, I think, one of the biggest things. Uh, and, you know, when I started here, I was barely, barely one employee. Um, you know, I had to work another part-time job just to just to be able to afford the sticks that I rubbed together to make the fire to cook my grog. Um, um, but uh, Wait, I thought, I thought grog was the guy who invented the wheel. Did you eat grog? <laughs> I ate, it was a copyright dispute. and um, that's They how, really weren't paying you enough if you had to yeah, eat your uh, volunteer. I, I ate grog. <laughs> it was a dark, dark time. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> uh, um, but um uh, yeah so you know the the expansion of the of the staff was a really big thing um because uh, it was me and then a volunteer who would come in to run the box office but only during the two weeks that box office was open for a show and we only did four shows a season as opposed to the nine in the current season and uh, so it was just me and Mildred, uh, Mildred Spilker, for those of you who, who remember her. And most of the time it was just me in the building. And uh, it was it was I always said it was cruel and unusual punishment um, f to force a theater person to work alone 
in a building with no windows uh, and at the time uh, no internet either you know uh, <laughs> yeah um, no uh, wonder you got the fish to keep you company I know when I well the fish came much later oh man uh, so yeah um, those were some of the, the big changes you know in the first uh, um, staff position we added you know was the box office manager when we computerized the box office system and and Mildred decided that that was the time for her to retire after 20 or 25 years of of uh, manually running the box office with these little steno pads where she kept track of are we still I have one and it's in the historical files um that I kept just for prosperity prosperity prosterity uh <laughs> I'm like like porky pig there as I, <laughs> as I stumble on a word um um but uh uh, you know, so when we switched to the computerized box office, that necessitated hiring a part-time uh, box office manager, and then that position grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And now t- this season, it it officially became a full-time job, and uh, does a lot more than just run the box office. Uh, and then you know, we added your position, uh, the associate artistic director, to primarily coordinate education programming, um, which what would be like. 11, 12 years 11 ago now. 12 years now, yeah. Um, and, you know, so it grew to three full-time employees and, and then our costume librarian is a part-time a couple hours a week. Uh, and, you know, we're eyeballing uh, uh, other staff uh, expansions and you know, it would be great if, if community players could uh, make the numbers work to afford a part-time tech director to coordinate all of those things. So it's just a tremendous amount of growth uh, over the years. Um, but, you know, one thing that I've always felt and, and I recently was talking with someone about this is that one thing that has stayed the same uh, is the fact that um, we've never just compromised. We've never compromised into thinking that what we do here is, quote unquote, just community theater. It has always been about producing theater and producing it to the most professional level that that we were capable of um and some people would argue hit or miss on the the professionalism or the you know the polish of a product or or of a show uh but it was all it was never um accepting a limitation uh you know it was always like no we can do better we're gonna push to really maintain a high standards you know, uh, it's part of our value statements um, that we wrote several years ago was that was professionalism and, and high quality and inclusivity. Um, we're all going to be core values of this organization. And uh, we really have uh, have pushed those uh, over the years. And I think that's one of the reasons for the tremendous amount of success that the organization has seen. Yeah, and I think that's that stuff is only still growing. You know, it's it's even interesting to look back at, at pictures of, of shows just within the last couple of years and just say, yeah, we're maintaining that and we're increasing that as we as we keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and just implementing all of the new uh, production technologies, but also seeing new faces uh, and just keeping that positive energy and that welcoming environment. That's one of the things that uh, we hear a lot from people, uh, especially when they're first involved or they're coming down from Lincoln to do a show, um, that they really are like, wow, this is such a welcoming environment. You know, there's some people who joke that they want to find find jobs or, or husbands or, or whatever down here so they could move down here and just permanently do shows um, instead, of, uh, instead of commuting and splitting their time doing theater at a whole bunch of places. They're like, I just love it here so much. I mean, and, and they they need a sugar daddy or something to <laughs> uh, to to just let them be here and do theater and and have a great time. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of great times doing shows, do you have any specific uh, fond memories of doing shows? I won't ask you what your favorite show is. Yes, that's, the, that's a trap. That's a trap. <laughs> but do you have any favorite memories from rehearsals, from going out on a Friday night after a show, of, of a specific opening night or interaction with a patron or a volunteer? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, that's such a, a broad, it is. a broad, broad question. One patron interaction that really stands out to me is... Uh, this was a, a few years ago, um, and there was a patron who her health had been steadily declining over the years, and uh, she had renewed her uh, first cider membership. And one of the things that uh, we've done for a number of years is that when someone renews a first nighter membership or they make a, a, a donation over a certain amount, they get a handwritten thank you note from us, uh, either from me or from uh, Grace. And but for Snyder's, I've always gotten handwritten thank you notes from me. And so I had sent this patron um, the thank you note. And as she was coming to the show, she was wheelchair bound at that time. And, and she reaches out from her wheelchair um, as I'm on door duty there. And she was like, I want you uh, thank you for sending me the note. I want you to know that coming to the theater is the only time I ever leave my house now. Um, and that was really touching. Um, so that's, uh, I think that uh, talks to the power of theater and uh, how much it really can can mean and impact people and not not actors, not not our volunteers, but just a, a patron who really found value in what we did. She's since passed away. Um, and but that that moment really stands out to me. Um, during uh, something of a patron interaction. Yeah, because we talk a lot about just the impact that we have on our volunteers, the opportunities that we give them to get involved on stage and backstage and uh, the art that we get a chance to create. But um, sometimes we just, that gets forgotten that there are people who love the theater because they love coming to just see a show. Not just see, it's not just, just seeing, seeing a show. show. Yeah. That, that it is a big thing for them. It, you don't you don't have to be so deeply involved to have an impact on the community. Yeah, well, and I also... You know, can remember and, th and think about standing, you know, at the door. I can occasionally overhear snippets of conversations in the lobby, and and the I can't even count the number of times that I've overheard someone run into an old friend in the lobby who they didn't anticipate seeing at the show, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in years. Uh, how are you doing?" And you know, this, it was a chance for them to reconnect. Um, that they would not have had otherwise, um, yeah. that they wouldn't have seen each other. And um, and that has happened so many times over the years. Uh, so, that, you know, it, it really is a it's a community experience mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it is a resource far beyond um, what we provide to our actors and volunteers, um, far beyond the economic impact, which, you know, I can talk um, for hours about that. <laughs> um, I got a whole filing cabinet full of studies to prove it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's the, it, it comes down to that personal connection mm -hmm. um, that people have. And we have so few opportunities to have those kind of interactions nowadays um, because we're all on our phones. We're all sitting and just binging whatever on, at t on TV. I fall into that trap, too. Um, when, you know, when you've got some time off, you're like, I'm not leaving the house this weekend. Um, but sometimes you need that, that kick in the butt uh, to leave the house. And then you're like, oh. Here's all these people that I haven't seen and you wouldn't have seen them if you weren't going to the theater. Yeah. Well, 
you brought up a couple of things that I want to dig into a little bit more because we are here talking about you specifically, Jamie. Yeah, your, <laughs> as, as we're leaving, we're, I, I, I am kind of defaulting into yeah. my uh, normal kind of political uh, PR things. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the traditions that you personally have. And one of those <laughs> is how did you get started holding the door for patrons? Because yes. that is not something you go to other theaters, other community theaters. Those are volunteers uh, holding the door. It's not your managing artistic director. So how did you start doing that? And what are some other things that you, Jamie, like to do before a show or for rehearsals that only you do that maybe someone like me has taken some of those traditions for his own? Right, but right. Let's talk about the door duty specifically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- this is a great question and, and perfect for the podcast and I can't go political on it. <laughs> um, so the, the the whole door thing is um, goes back to early on uh, in my time here and... When we open house, I firmly believe that the director needs to get out of the way when a show is running. Um, And also, uh, you know, I can't easily you can't easily move from backstage or the green room into the auditorium or into the lobby without like walking across the set. And that breaks the illusion and you don't want to do that. Um, So when house would open for a show, uh, the director, myself, is always just kind of stuck in the lobby. You know, and and you're just kind of standing there, and for long I was just I'd be standing there and just smiling and and having conversations with people, but I really felt pretty darn useless um, for that half hour that house is open, and so one day I I had stepped outside because I was bored, um, and I I stepped outside and I was talking to somebody on the sidewalk outside the theater and just. I, I just kind of turned and reached over and I was like, oh, I like I opened the door for somebody coming up the sidewalk just because I just happened to be standing there. Um, and uh, and then it just kind of, you know, for that night, I was just kind of out there and whenever someone would come by, I would just kind of <laughs> open the door for them just randomly. Uh, and then it just kind of became a thing. And I was like, oh. Now I have a purpose. <laughs> There's something for me to do in the half hour before a show now. Um, and it has really become one of our, I feel like it's one of the signature things of community players now. Absolutely. Is that there is always, if it's a community, regular community players production, regular season or an acting up production or a stage door production, um, there will be somebody at the door um, uh, greeting you. Mm-hmm. And I think that really adds to that personal touch that this organization has it helps that there's only the one door because <laughs> i've thought about continuing this tradition in my new job but there's too many doors uh, <laughs> I, I i can't do it um, so i'm just gonna have to stand next to the box office and smile again um uh but uh uh you know so it just kind of became that and uh i've seen other theaters try to emulate that uh but uh it's still not quite the same uh it's not the same as having um, one of the staff members uh, standing there greeting you. And it also helps us to get to know the community. Uh, you know, that conversation that, that I mentioned before with the patron, um, that wouldn't have happened um, if I wasn't out there opening the doors. Uh, it's also funny, though, because when I'm not opening the doors, people are always asking, well, where's Jamie? Yeah. You know, like if I'm in the show, I don't do the door. So it's it's rotating board members or you um, who've been on the door and, and they're always like, where is he? Is, is he sick? Is he? Is he? He hasn't left yet, has he? Uh, he? He didn't quit, did he? And I was like, well, now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's only been in the last, you know, maybe half dozen years or so that I people have 
completely stopped calling me Jamie when I opened the door for them <laughs> just because they casually don't quite look at me. And right. It's dark a lot of times and I'm wearing a suit too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it would definitely in the first few years that I was doing it, um, yeah. even for the shows that I directed, you go, thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, I'm not Jamie. Yeah. I'm you're, 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 in the back of your mind. You're like, I am so much younger than he is. Uh, <laughs> there is no gray hair. I know it's dark, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what are some other traditions that you either will or won't be taking with you? Oh, I don't know. I haven't decided about some of them. Um, but uh, one of my other traditions is on opening night of every show that I direct. Um, I have a couple of, of traditions and superstitions. Um, one, I know I won't be able to continue. Um, and it's it's my uh, opening day lunch. Mm-hmm. I always go to Shanghai Inn here in town. And I always order Mongolian beef and an egg roll. Uh, and that tradition started uh, early on when it was actually I would go to lunch with the um, uh, whoever was the lead uh, woman in the show um, and I would take her to lunch. It was just and, and it started off. It was just because it was a friend of mine and they had the day off. And so so but then it was like as whenever I could, I would take the leading lady uh, to lunch on opening day. And then just because of various things that kind of fell to the wayside, but often we would go to Shanghai Inn. Um, and then it just became, I t- ordered, uh, to go carry out, uh, at Shanghai Inn and Susan knows my order. She recognizes my voice and, you know, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, one of my opening day traditions. Uh, the other is, uh, buying a tie. Um, and this goes back to when I worked at Schmidt's Clothing. Uh, Another thing that we've had in common. Jamie. Yes, yes. Another shared job that we've had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about uh, our future things. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so when I was working at Schmidt's, um, which uh, for those who don't know, uh, uh, was a men's clothing store here in downtown Beatrice that was like a block away from the theater. That's where Sisters Emporium is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and it was a wonderful men's clothing store. Um, sold suits, and I still own suits that I, I got from there. Um, suits, shirts, ties, uh, you know, so every opening night uh, I would buy a new tie. And there's even a tradition and there's a there's a, a plan to the tie to the ties as well, which not a lot of people have heard this. I don't know um, if I know this. Okay, so every show gets a tie. Yeah. If uh, most of the time, uh, if the sh- if I am really proud of the show, it gets a shirt and tie. Oh. If I am really proud of the show and it's selling really well, <laughs> it's a it's a whole suit shirt and tie when's the last time you bought a whole suit um it's been a while yeah um uh uh but uh uh but it's been a while because there isn't a men's clothing store in Beatrice anymore i have to plan a lot more (laughs) ahead um uh and also my size has been fluctuating over the last 10 years uh so (laughs) it went from big to really really tiny and now it's in the middle uh uh so so the investment in a suit sometimes is a little bit iffy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <fair>. yeah. <laughs> though, you know what? The last new suit I bought was for my 25th anniversary concert. Okay. Um, I did specifically buy a whole new outfit for that. It was a new sh- new suit, new shirt, new tie. 
um, new shoes even. Hey, yeah. So that that's that's unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. So it's every twenty five years I yeah. buy new dress shoes <laughs> to go with the suit, shirt, and tie. <laughs> um, do you have any traditions? And I know one specifically that have just kind of uh, fallen by the wayside over the years. And the one I'm specifically thinking about is one that was actually even gone before I started getting involved, which I did as a volunteer in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, that you mean I, the tradition of casting people with talent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> The, the show in the year it stopped. Yeah, it stopped. I, I cast Tyler Rini in his first show, and there goes that talent tradition. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about maintaining standards at yeah. community players. That's when they stopped. Yeah. Um, but I've heard rumors of a rubber chicken. <laughs> yes, yes, the rubber chicken. Um, the, in fact, in my sight line here in the office, I see one peeking at the top of a shelf um, here. Uh, yes, yeah, so we started doing, and this goes back to the first show I directed. Not at community players, but when I was fasten your seatbelt here, I was 16 years old. Um, I directed a production of Neil Simon's Fools. Uh, I, in the summer, I I produced it, directed it, and starred in it because wow. I was a egotistical <laughs> fool. <laughs> was yeah, yeah. <laughs> still am in, um, all of those things, just in different degrees. Um, but uh, yeah, so one of the things that we did uh, with that show was we had a rubber chicken uh, hanging in the shop window oh. um, in one of the town scenes or something. But then it became kind of this little tradition that I, there was on the it, it evolved into on the closing performance of every show, there would be a rubber chicken hidden somewhere on the set. And it would, it would uh, be placed somewhere so that it wouldn't disrupt the show. Um, if, and if you weren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't see it. Uh, but it had to be somewhat visible. Uh, and you never, I never told the actors that it was going to happen. I was a naughty, uh, the, the, this sort of thing, shenanigan, I would not allow nowadays here, um, because I've gotten old and cranky, uh, but, uh, we wouldn't tell the actors that this was happening. It would just be kind of like the, the rumor and the conversations in the green room, the actors would, would choose to warn or not warn, warn. Um, the newbies that there was going to be a rubber chicken somewhere on the set. So it would be, you know, like it'd be hanging in the in the set dressing or hidden in a tree on the set or um, there was one production. It was in a box. And so the actor opened the box and there was this rubber chicken uh, staring up at her. And so that tradition fell by the wayside because uh, it got to the point where it would be closing performance of the show middle of act two i'm hanging out in the lobby and i suddenly realize oh crud i haven't put the rubber chicken anywhere <laughs> and so i can still remember running around the side of the building like okay i know the perfect place i'm gonna put it in this prop before it goes on stage or i'm gonna hide it on this set piece before it comes in uh and so when it when it stopped amusing me that's when i'm like man this tradition can stop now uh yeah. So yeah, that, that that's a tradition that is that has gone away. Another of my traditions that I did before I came here um, and continue to do is on first night off book, um, I always bake homemade cookies yeah. uh, for the cast, uh, and uh, and they are homemade from scratch. Occasionally they are augmented with store bought dough, <laughs> um, but only when it's like a big cast. Yeah. Um, but the the main batch of cookies are always from scratch. Um, there are, are times where that was the only time that the uh, my oven at home would be used um, for between shows. Like 
I'd bake cookies in the oven and then never turn the oven on until two months later when there's another <laughs> night off book and I turn on the oven to bake cookies. But yeah, so that's uh, another of my little uh, traditions that that one will I will continue um, going forward on on uh, first night off book for every show that I direct. And I'll continue the Thai tradition too. Um, but yeah, and another of my kind of signature things is the stick. Uh, which uh, if anyone was at the anniversary event, you know, you know, I got presented with a new stick because I go through these sticks pretty frequently. And it's, it's a story how the, how the stick started happening, too. It was the first show I directed here, which was a uh, like a six person version of uh, uh, A Christmas Carol. And they had done uh, Our Stick and Old Lace previously. Um, and there was one of the police officer batons was just like sitting uh, on the stage or sitting in the house or something and so it was this wooden stick you know a couple of feet long um and it had a little leather strap on it uh when i was blocking and stuff i just picked it up uh and i put the little strap on my wrist uh and then i could just kind of flip my wrist and the (laughs) the stick would like pop into my hand uh (laughs) and and i would just use it to point it wasn't like I was threatening to beat anyone with it, um, but it was just it was a, just a good visual aid for me to be like, okay, cross a little bit further, no, a little further, right, right there, yeah. Um, it just it was, became an extension of my arm, and instead of like physically pointing my finger, um, and so that kind of evolved over the years, and the stick literally grew <laughs> um, because the leather strap broke on that one after after a year or so, and so then it was just a, a random like dowel that I grabbed from the shop and that's how I started working with that one. And we've gone through a few on a few anniversaries of my tenure here. Um, they've presented me with different sticks. Um, but sometimes we've had to sacrifice the stick because I felt the stick was cursed. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. That that's, that's my favorite Jamie's director stick story yeah. is that there was a season or a season or two that we, this is when I was working, I had been working here for a while that we were really financially not doing the best or attendance was really down or both. And I just remember sitting in my office and just uh, seeing you walk by with your stick and then just hearing from the shop the sound of the, <laughs> of the saw going yep. <laughs> and he had cut it into three or four or five pieces. <laughs> yep. yep. And, t- and took it out of the building. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and do, you, do you know what I did with it? Yeah. Because I, I specifically remember you coming back and telling the rest of the staff because you threw it into the big blue river. Yep. <laughs> And I specifically remember the immortal words that you said to it as it drifted down the water. You said, well, you're Wymore's problem now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if anything bad happened in Wymore around uh, 2013 or so, yeah, that's the blame Jamie the on that. Yeah. stick that I sent down the river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd kind of forgotten about that story until as we were talking about sticks and then, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I th- every time the your directing stick comes up, that is what comes to mind. Just yeah. That cracked me up so much. Yeah, there, there was a show, and I don't remember what show it was, that we actually sacrificed a rubber chicken as well <laughs> because the, the production just felt like it was cursed. Yeah just because technical things weren't getting done and the actors were struggling with lines. And I, I cannot remember. I think Heidi Krieger was involved in it um, and Liz Clausen. Uh, but yeah, we we uh, <laughs> performed a little ritual with a rubber chicken um, uh, in the middle of the stage after a rehearsal one night where we took drills and like just like drilled it apart uh, <laughs> and, and killed this rubber chicken. <laughs> did, it, did it help? Um, I don't remember. But it, <laughs> but it, it was cathartic. It was certainly cathartic. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Well, and speaking of cathartic things, it, it, it's a it's a joke now more more than anything. Uh, but uh, we used to have uh, uh, production meetings with stage managers after production after a rehearsal, and we would come up to my office, particularly um, after first after they go off book. Uh, the actors would all be leaving, and the stage manager would come into my office. There's a bottle of, there'll always be a bottle of Jack Daniels uh, in my desk, and we would do a shot uh, for having survived that rehearsal with the whatever craziness the actors were were pulling that night. Well, uh, I hope you leave that uh, bottle behind when you go. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, uh, what do you think that you, Jamie, have left behind here at Community Players as your impact, and and what uh, are you taking with you from Community Players? Mm. Um, so beside that weird smell that won't go away <laughs> uh, and the, the countless sacrifice sticks and rubber chickens, yeah. um, you know, I think the biggest impact I hope that I am leaving behind is the sense of, uh, of community, but also, like we said before, that sense of limitless professionalism. Um, that, you know, we can think about growth and expansion and, uh, you know, everything that this organization has achieved in the, in the last 25 plus years, that growth continues to inspire the community, our board, our staff, our volunteers to continue to find new ways to grow, to, to, uh, impact our community but to do so in a fiscally responsible way and in a way that really does respond to the needs of the community. It's one thing to have big, bold ideas, but it's also another thing to make sure that they work in the context of where you are, um, because then then you risk alienating your community. And uh, especially community theater is about its community. And... Uh, so I hope that uh, those sort of guideposts and all all of the, as I just glance over across my desk at the several hundred page policies and procedural manual that I wrote um, in, with working with the board, I didn't do it all solo, but that those will help provide the structure for continued growth of the organization. Off the top of your head, can you tell me what section Sacrificing Chickens is in there? Um, that would actually be under operations. <laughs> Page 666. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> operations, section six, paragraph six, yeah. subsection six. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I, you know, I hope that that's part of the legacy too. Um, uh, you know, because we've grown so much and, and, uh, you know, this is a completely different organization than it was when I started. Um, this is an organization that needs to be aware of the best practices of a nonprofit. And, you know, all of those things, those board management things, and those really kind of not sexy things that you that you don't think about running a theater. But uh, when I teach theater management on the first day the lecture starts with, it's called show business for a reason, with the emphasis on business. Without the business, there's no show. Uh, and so you need to know how to to run the business. And so hopefully we've left that I've left that uh, those structures in place in a way that uh, hopefully can be found on the hard drive of the computer here um, and in the various filing cabinets and things like that. So yeah, that that's you know that's what I hope uh, people uh, the organization is able to take from my my 
uh, time here. Um, or you know they'll take they'll phrase it as the Dark Ages and uh, and uh, move on. <laughs> what are you going to be taking with you, Jamie? Um, well, my stick, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> and and copious amounts of various whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have quite the uh, the gift shelf over here. I'm yeah, I know. There's, there's there's a bunch of whiskeys that people have been dropping off. Uh, whiskeys and bourbons and yeah. things, and uh, um, and also that they gave a, in September for my 25th anniversary. I even opened some of these bottles. So there's a lot of that that's going uh, to Lawrence with me, but. Um, <laughs> hope that I can reignite as well um, some of my own personal excitement and passion for for this kind of work. You know, going into a new environment um, has new challenges, but also there's a lot of excitement for new opportunities. So that's what I'm I'm hoping to take the enthusiasm and the professionalism and then that eye towards business that that I've developed here and take it there. And also that sense of fun, because anyone who's done a show here when knows when you get the actor, actor expectation sheet, I think it's the first thing and the last thing is fun. Because this is, if this isn't fun, um, then why do it? Um, now, fun is done in a structured way. Uh, it's not just being goofy and and not following the rules. For me, it's fun to follow a schedule and to follow the rules and uh, and to do what the director tells you. That's fun. <laughs> Um, I'm sure people listening here, if they haven't had a chance to talk to you personally, or even if they have, I know that they're curious about what exactly you are going to be doing next, Jamie. So why don't you um, just tell the listeners a little bit about Theater Lawrence and about what you're going to be doing there. And maybe if uh, someone wants to see your next show that you direct, when can they do that and what is it? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I am for those who who don't know. And I guess we haven't really said officially yet yeah. on, on this podcast um, is that I am taking over as the executive director, executive director of Theater Lawrence in Lawrence, Kansas. The organization uh, is about 45 years old, so it's about the same age as community players. And it is a really vibrant and exciting organization. Um, that uh, has a facility that's going to be 10 years old this year. It's huge. It's beautiful. Uh, and there's a wonderful, wonderful staff down there, uh, staff of, uh, I believe it's nine that are currently on staff, counting my position, um, and like 600 volunteers a year. You know, it's just a, a really dynamic and exciting place uh, to go. Uh, and so many people uh, have reached out to me and, and said, when I've said I'm going to Lawrence, they're like, oh my gosh, I love Lawrence. You're going to love Lawrence so much. It's such a great, uh, such a great city. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where I'm going. Um, but uh, the role that I'm taking over as executive director is, a, is just slightly different than what I'm doing here. Uh, I joked with their board of directors um, during the interview process that with the couple of exceptions of some wording, this could have been my current job description. You know, I said it is like, it's a lot of the same work, just uh, you know, on a different scale. But I won't be directing nearly as often as I do here. Um, right now, I direct at least three shows a year, sometimes more. Uh, but uh, down there, I'm going to direct a minimum of only one show a year. And and then maybe we'll do more than that. Um, but definitely not directing the three to five shows like it has been. There was, I think there was a season where I directed like eight shows, um, which was just ridiculous. So I'm not going to be directing that much. I'm really shifting more into the the management side, but I'm also still the producer down there and, uh, and in charge of 
you know, season selection and supervising in the shows kind of in a similar way that we do here. So, yeah, that's and as to uh, what the next show I'm going to direct, I actually don't know yet. Really? Um, yeah. Um, it will be at least probably six months before I direct again. Um, Is that going to be the longest you've gone without directing a show? And how long do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it'll be. Because I was, it had been like during the pandemic was the longest I had gone. Yeah. Until we started producing again, and that was probably about a similar time Close frame, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the rest of the season down there, um, the guest directors are already slotted in in for. So those are all covered, and then their season begins in September. Um, and I know I'm not directing the first show of the season, uh, so it may or the second show i know things about the season down there that aren't public knowledge right. yet and so i can't say i know i'm over here going do you really not know when you're directing next yeah, or? yeah. <laughs> I, I i know some of the shows in the lineup down there but they're not it's not public yet yeah, and uh, you really don't know what you're directing but yet. i but i honestly do not know yeah. it may be christmas um yeah. before i direct again so it will be a, a year, year yeah uh, between uh, me directing so that will definitely be the longest since I was in college, yeah. depending on how you split the hairs, um, <laughs> um, the gray hairs. <laughs> and you know this too. You know, sometimes, you know, when we're like, we're here and we're working in the office during the regular business hours. Um, and then we like, we go home, we have dinner, and then you come back to direct. And like in that time you go home, you're like, I don't want to go back to rehearsal. But then once you get in yeah. to rehearsal and you start working, you're like, you look at your clock and suddenly three hours have gone by and you're like, whoa, it's 10 o'clock. We've got to wrap up and let you go. Heck, I even had that last night. We're recording this on February 10th. It's opening night right now of Murder on the Orient Express. And I even said last night, I was like, oh, I don't want to go to Final Dress. I've watched the show almost every night this week. I'm, it's fine. I don't need to watch it again. And I'm so glad that I went and watched the show, the Final Dress rehearsal last night. Uh, there wasn't, yeah, you know, once it was here, there was not a time where I'm like, I wish I was home packing uh, or or playing with my cat or whatever. <laughs> One reason why I really do love this work is that once you get in there and you're doing it, it is just it's it doesn't feel like work. Even when it is work and you're like doing a 14 hour day um, and it's tech week and you're exhausted because you hung lights all weekend and you're trying to get a or you're painting something and you're trying to get a special effect to work out and you and you you put in 80 some hours in a week. You're still like, but I get to do this. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it does really balance out yep. and uh, it's just a tremendous opportunity. And I just have to say it's been a wonderful uh, opportunity that this organization and this community has given me for all these years. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I graduated college, I didn't think I would be doing theater as a profession ever. You know, I, I thought I would be working with all volunteer community theaters and somewhere. And it hadn't even really dawned on me that you can make a career doing community theater and a really, really fulfilling career uh, working in the community theater sector. Yeah, and I guess just uh, personally, Jamie, I want to say uh, thank you for having me as a guest so many times on this podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I still have to get you your uh, your punch card. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. There's a sub sandwich for you in the refrigerator. <laughs> that's right. It, it's been there for two weeks, but it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. It mine, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also beyond that, and this uh, this uh, episode is not about me, but uh, thank you for casting me in my first show so so long ago. Uh, um, yes, I. I really come back to what an impact that uh, just 
us as directors have on just casting someone from the community or a community really has on someone's life. And for me personally, it's meant um, getting to know so many great people and also leading to a career here as well. And um, just everything that you've taught me over all these years and uh, not only working with you as a director when I was a volunteer, but uh, working with you as a fellow staff member. I just want to thank you uh, so yeah. much for everything that uh, we've had a chance to share oh. here at Community Players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I just also want to say to you, thank you for being such a good uh, collaborator um, on all of our stuff over the years, you know, between the shows that you've directed, the shows you've written, um, the graphics that you've designed, the set painting and all that stuff. You've been a great partner uh, within the organization and have been a, and been a really good part, uh, a key element of the growth that we've had. Well, thanks, Jamie. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was there uh, any last things, uh, words of wisdom you wanted to leave uh, me and the listeners and community players at large with? Yeah. Jamie? Well, you know, like I said earlier, I just want to say thank you so much to the community, to the various board members over the years, to the volunteers, uh, to the rest of the staff, to thank you so much for all of the opportunities you've given me, um, all of the friendships, uh, the Friday nights going out after rehearsals, which is a tradition we didn't even talk about, and uh, the hangovers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I do truly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate all of that. Um, and it's not like I'm going to forget about everybody. 25 years is a long time and a significant portion of not only my career, but my life. So I do want to say just thank you so much for everything. And uh, I won't be a stranger uh, as, as the cliche is, you know, it's not goodbye. It's just see you later. Mm -hmm. And the final bit of uh, wisdom that I want to impart that famously I've imparted to some actors on their on their thank you notes. And so I just say it to everybody. Now, going forward, don't suck. And if you've gotten that note, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll be someone here to get the door for you when you come back. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler, for coming in and, and, uh, and reversing chairs uh, here on the last episode. Of course. Uh, and so now we'll just wrap up the podcast yeah. by saying... Places Please is a production of the Community Players Theater located in downtown Beatrice. Learn more about all of our programming at BeatriceCommunityPlayers.com. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and once in a while we post something on Twitter as well. Thank you very much, and we'll see you at the theater. Curtain in. House lights up. Thank you, podcast. Make sure to reset your props and hang up your costumes. <laughs> but you won't. <laughs> You'll be gone. But I won't see you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>